Courtney, Allison, I have a question for you. Yes, please. Ooh. If you met a guy who said he was famous director Stanley Kubrick, do you think you would know if he was the real deal? Uh, I would ask him about the moon landing. That's the first Ooh, thing. <laughs> that's a good tell. That, I would say, hey, so tell me about the moon landing. How did that go in? You film it? What's going on? <laughs> okay, that's so wait, in this situation, if, if he's the real Stanley Kubrick, what does he say? Well, he tells me how he did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And if it's the fake Stanley Kubrick, what does he say then? He says, well, we landed on the moon. God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, let's see. Stanley Kubrick, he's a real film nerd, so <laughs> I guess I just start making fun of him and see what happens. <laughs> He'd probably be into that. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would get weird real quick. <laughs> Cool, great. But would you? But would you be able to tell? Is the question though? I think if he popped a boner while we made fun of it, <laughs> it would be the real Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, that's the tell. Uh huh. Big time whoopsies, my name is Eric McAdams, and this is a podcast about incompetence. Each week, I tell the listener and a friend of mine a story from history involving massive incompetence. This week, I have, from the Double X-Files, Courtney and Allison. Say hi. Hello. Hello, listeners. Eric and listeners. <laughs> yeah, you kind of caught that stumble where I was like, uh, the listener and also these people. <laughs> kind of tripped over my I own guess. intro there. Uh, yeah, they they have just joined the major. Uh, not really just. It's been a little while now. They joined the major cast network somewhat recently, uh, mm. and so we ha- we we got to get them on here. We got to have some cross pollination going. Ooh, Ooh, like we're little bees. I love it. <laughs> my podcast is a disease. <laughs> oh, gonna I infect like the everybody better. <laughs> but I guess we'll go with that one. I think I don't know. Okay. I think disease is better for this one, though. <laughs> it's, oh, that's it's, fair. It's true. Just how it presents the symptoms. <laughs> and when I was coming up for coming up with a story for you guys, uh, I didn't have the easiest time because. <laughs> Because I heard from Tom that Courtney teaches history. Am I right in this? Uh, yeah, vaguely. I am a grade 12 history teacher. Not a great one, but like, <laughs> I mean, I am one. <laughs> well, when I heard that, I got really scared because I'm bad oh. at this. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, Eric. I am too. I make up shit all the time. My students don't know or don't care. <laughs> They can never check. No, they have no, no way of they knowing. They don't know how to Google. Yeah, I, I think uh-uh. my, I think my first thing was when Tom was like, "Oh, they, they, they want to be guests on Big Time Whoopsies, and Courtney's a history teacher, so it'll be perfect." My, my first reaction was, 
She's gonna ask me to cite my sources, and they're gonna be Wikipedia. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> we would never, never, ever. Well, what do you think I used before class? I just like Google something. Oh, I'm like, I had, yeah, that sounds about right. I had like an art history teacher who would just pull up Wikipedia and just do his lecture from it. God, he was Excellent. great. Well, you knew exactly what was going to be on the final then. <laughs> God, old Brian, the music teacher, he was awesome. (laughs) So in response to this, I did not pick a story that I had to rely on Wikipedia for. So we're not going back to antiquity. We're not doing something from the like the 19th century. We're doing something pretty recent. Yes. Yeah. Where I can get a lot of contemporary sources from places like The Guardian and The New York Times. Ah. Oh, my boner. Ooh, (laughs) contemporary. The Guardian, the horniest of all major publications. <laughs> now, wait, okay. I want to know, what is the horniest of all media? That's a good what is question. the horniest media? Well, I mean, like, there's there's the obvious stuff, like the tabloids, like the the stuff that, like, literally just make Ooh, their, yeah. their living off of, like, bikini pictures. But that's boring. So, What's, like, so like between, like, like, the Washington Post and, like... Reuters, like which one's Vice? hornier? Vice. Oh, well, Associated Press across the board. Oh, I think. Oh yeah, they just horny to be published. Yeah, all them associations. Mm. Mm. <laughs> all that press. <laughs> Buy our articles. There may be a boner in it. <laughs> Report your articles from our news service. Mm. We don't even <laughs> list the author's name. <laughs> Share our news. It's like an it's anonymous, anonymous sex cult. That's the that's the AP. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, we nailed it. They're the horniest. We got it. We got it. Great. Nailed that one down. <laughs> so in, instead of doing something from a long time ago, we're going to do a story from the 1990s. Ooh, Ooh love it. <laughs> the greatest era in all of history. Truth. It is. Yeah, that's where we were coming up. Yeah. <laughs> Backstreet Boys, bad bad food that was really bad for you, but no one cared. Scrunchies, scrunchies. It's a good thing Koosh we. It's balls. a good thing Koosh we got balls. rid of all that bad food that was bad for you. I'm glad we got rid of that. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. No, we kept it. We kept it. I'm I'm eating Dunkaroos right now, <laughs> and I'm eating Gushers. <laughs> I had lint truffles for breakfast today. Dang yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, but like. <laughs> this this is about historical accuracy. We're going to tell you the facts here. Yes, yes, only the facts. All right. Should we get started like actually actually? I've said that like 5 different times, but this time it's going to be the story. <laughs> well, if you want to be if you want to be on track, then you've asked the wrong guest. <laughs> yeah. We're at, our whole thing is just going right off the track. Well, that's that's kind of you're here to, you're not here to do the play-by-play. You're here for the color commentary. So Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anytime okay. you want to interrupt Begin me or just we will be... take us off on a tangent, you go ahead and do that. And if it's if it's real bad, I'll cut it out. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's, I love it. Yeah. No responsibility for you guys. That's how I always want my guests to feel. Excellent. <laughs> All right. We begin our story in May 1991 at Childwickbury Manor, Hertfordshire, England. Okay. Awesome. Well, I'm on board for this. I'm already excited. 
Guy named Anthony Freewin takes a call for his boss, the owner of the manor, Stanley Kubrick. The caller is distraught, nearly in tears on the phone. He says his name is Rupert, and he's a fashion designer from Brighton. Ooh. <laughs> and he's in tears. In tears. Very distraught. Very upset. His name? Maybe because of his name. <laughs> Rupert. Quite possibly because his name is Rupert. <laughs> no, I think actually in the article I'm going for, the name was changed to protect his anonymity. <laughs> so his real name is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> so his real name is probably normal, and I think... Uh, this is this is based on Anthony Freewin's own account, so maybe he's just making fun of this guy. Okay. <laughs> he was horridly British. Let's call him Rupert. <laughs> yeah, here's a, here, here's a quote from uh, Rupert. Stanley Kubrick seems to be avoiding me, and I can't understand it. After all, I'm a very personal friend of Stanley's. I've been to his house, and we are very close. I just can't understand it. I really can't. Please get him to call me, please. He's changed his number and won't answer my letters. Okay, Rupert. Just back <laughs> off a little bit. <laughs> You're coming out a little strong there, Rupert. <laughs> we shared one passionate, passionate night of, like, hanging out, and now he won't call me back. <laughs> Freewin obviously was pretty confused by this, but he did relay the message to Kubrick, telling him the young man had said that they had met in a wine bar in Kens- Kensington. Hot. Nice. <laughs> Is that where old people make friends and love? <laughs> make friends and also love well like you know it's hard to make friends as an adult like an over 30 person you go to the bar or i don't know like a wine bar I in guess, kensington i guess that's where old old people make friends it's where it goes down mm, just a bottle of chardonnay and just seeing who's up for some friend stuff get your shard on <laughs> <laughs> the problem hey, the yeah. problem with all this was Kubrick had never been to this wine bar in Kensington. He had never heard of Rupert, and so naturally they concluded that Rupert had met someone pretending to be him. And that was that. Is that the first thing? But is that the first thing that you would think? I think that's... Like, I would just think that maybe Rupert maybe had a little bit too much wine. <laughs> or... Just to just imagine that he met famous film director Stanley Kubrick. I, who who wouldn't? Just completely just in, just envisioned Kubrick meeting him in this wine bar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I met Steven Spielberg down at this pub. <laughs> I'm a very personal friend off. of Steven Spielberg. I went bowling once, and James Cameron <laughs> wanted to, to duck in as well, and he told me all about the Avatar world he was creating. <laughs> I went to a pottery class. I had a real Unchained Melody moment with George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one was real, though. That happened. <laughs> I met Christopher Nolan. He was interested in my fashion design career. <laughs> So. <laughs> Very personal friends. So, Freewood and Kubrick go like that was that. They move on with their lives. But then, a few days later, more calls started to come in. And more. What? And more. Eventually, they were getting calls almost daily from Warner Brothers because <gasps> Warner Brothers was 
what people contacted because their phone numbers were not out to the public. (laughs) (laughs) And Warner Brothers kept getting contacted by people who claimed to be friends with Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) Oh my god. The callers... Could you imagine... The person taking those calls, like <laughs> some poor secretary, like, y- yes, sure, sir. I, uh, Stanley Kubrick? Uh. Well, yeah, because this is, you know, all the calls go through Warner Bros. They call Anthony Freewin, who's Kubrick's assistant, and only then does it actually make it to Kubrick. So Kubrick Jeez. is has all this whole buffer where he's not even really getting bothered by it. <laughs> he's fine he's having the time of his life well, yeah, he's going he to the just, wine bar yeah he lives in Childwickbury Manor that's he barely ever, ever leaves the house that's his whole thing dang dang <laughs> the callers that, 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 that phoned up Warner Bros they all seem to be from England a lot of them were involved in the cabaret scene or were bartenders or frequented bars in London, and the vast majority of them seemed to be gay, and it quickly became apparent that the fake Stanley was also very gay. Uh, now you're talking our language. <laughs> okay. In desperation, because the calls just kept coming in, Freewin got some journalists involved to dig up what they could about the man, whoever he was. So are they putting out, like... A have you seen this man? But not Stan- the real Stanley Kubrick. He looks like Stanley. Well, Kubrick. will the fake Stanley Kubrick please stand up? <laughs> they were getting investigative journalists on this. They were, you know, talking to people in the neighborhoods that this fake Stanley appeared to be frequenting because he wasn't like. It's not like this was coming in from all over the world. It was coming in from like specific parts of London. And then they started. Oh. And then they started like friends of friends started telling them that like, oh yeah, we met Stanley Kubrick. He was gonna. Wow. He was gonna go see a show with us. Is gay Stanley Kubrick the Bigfoot of England? <laughs> <laughs> well, would you like to learn about the man who pretended to be Stanley Kubrick? Please, please. Okay. Eddie Allen Jablowski was born in the oh, UK. Well. <laughs> okay. I understand why he changed his name. <laughs> well, he didn't just change it to Kubrick, but more on that in a second. He was born in the UK in 1934. Born in Whitechapel, we don't know too much about his early childhood, but we know he was arrested for theft by the age of 13. Ooh, what did he steal? What do you think? I don't know. (laughs) Can't tell you. You can make it up. It's as good as canon at this point. Go ahead. It's the 40s, so war bonds. (laughs) A candlestick. (laughs) Lard. He L- stole lard. lard. He stole lard. Lard and spam. He needs that. Mmm. Ah. Oh. Gotta burn it for warmth. You live in Whitechapel. <laughs> you know who's a big fan of spam? You know who really actually likes to eat spam? Who? Tom Lockney. <laughs> oh, what? This is a call out post. Yeah, Tom. Eat, eat it straight from the can. <laughs> what? What? No. Tom. No. What? He just like Tom, heats it up and that's a monster. it. I think. What? He took a video like, of it one did... time and he sent it out and I don't know why he did that. Because I'm <laughs> going to remember it forever. He, he, okay, I'm going to set, the, I have, we haven't seen this video. Mm-hmm. We should do a big time whoopsies on that video because <laughs> I need to know. Sounds like a whoopsie to me. So he, op- Thomas opens the can. Yeah. He, he sticks his hands, <laughs> his bare hands 
in in the potted meat. His horrible pig just... hoofs. <laughs> <laughs> and and there is a liquid. Like there's a yeah, liquid. Yeah, it's not just solid. So it's got. He's got to use his fingernails to kind of slice <laughs> and dig at this potted meat. And there's a little liquid drip. And then he just puts it in his mouth. I'm going to yard. What I, and then his fingers are going to smell like that. Oh, for the rest of his life. Forever. What I remember is him eating it with a spoon. But yeah, basically, yes. <laughs> well, th- this is canon, though. You said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said whatever we say is canon. Yeah, no, you got this. Thomas... You dirty animal, Thomas. <laughs> He's gonna Nasty listen to this spam too. Pervert. <laughs> well, we're not, so <laughs> someone has to. All right, should we get back to the story? I guess. <laughs> sure. I just all I can think about is Thomas and his nasty pervert spam hands. All right, let's get back to to Mr. Jablowski. <laughs> okay, cool. Because he wasn't known as uh, Eddie Allen Jablowski for very long. Because uh, when he was first arrested for 13, this was also around the time that he started lying about his own personal history. He would change Mm. his name frequently and tell wild stories about himself. Like, he told a lot of his friends that he had escaped a Nazi concentration camp. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, 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 okay. 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 Yeah, Mm. I think it's... That's not the wild stories I was going to tell as a 13-year-old, but go ahead. (laughs) He's older at this point. Oh, that's true. I think his parents might have been Polish immigrants. I'm not sure. I found that in one source, but I didn't get it confirmed anywhere. Mm. But regardless, he said he had escaped the Nazi concentration camps in Poland. Mm. When, when, Interesting. When the investigative reporters started, started finding stuff out about him, he had a very extensive criminal record that dates back all the way to this time period, including, but not limited to... Theft, fraud, financial misconduct, and gross indecency. Hell yeah. That's my man. <laughs> gross? He ate spam with his hands <laughs> in front of, in, in the grocery store, and it's just gross indecency. I think it was more like he was soliciting people in public bathrooms, but you know. I mean, who hey, hasn't? That's the stuff. <laughs> This is also when he began using false names in even, like, official dealings, and one of his favorites was Alan Kahn, which he later changed to Alan Conway. Wow. Okay. I know, right? That's a little on the nose. What should my con man persona be? And then I changed <laughs> it to Alan gonna con ya. <laughs> My name is Freddie Bamboozler. <laughs> Pleased to meet you. Oh no! That was good. Thanks, man. <laughs> he grew so attached to this name that he started using it on credit cards and other official documents. Now, no one questioned. <laughs> no one questioned that name. I'm not. It's not entirely clear if he actually like legally changed his name to Alan Conway, but he might have. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. He went on to get arrested all over the world. He was. Oh gosh. He got in legal trouble in France, in Switzerland, and Australia. Uh, he ma- he got married sometime around the early 70s and had a son named Martin in 1976. 
With his family, he moved to South Africa for a while until some legal issues regarding his business practices forced him to move back to London to escape the heat. He, now, oh boy. The, oh, yeah, go ahead. His, his partner, I gotta, like, okay, you moved to Switzerland. You can move to, like, Switzerland and then, like, okay, go to Australia. That's fine. But when you get the third move across the country, you think they would kind of figure out something maybe is up. You gotta be a pretty bad dude to get the heat in Switzerland. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. And Australia, the big prison island. (laughs) Yeah, I think, and I think France, Switzerland, and Australia are all people, are all places he was actually arrested in. Wow. God, a lot Although, of crime. I Too think, much crime. I think in Australia he was tried in absentia. I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. Oh. Uh, once he moved back from South Africa, he started a relatively successful travel agency with his wife. Fly with Conway. <laughs> I call it Con Air. Yes, Con Air. <laughs> That's what the Michael Bay movie was really about. <laughs> Or at least this travel agency was successful until Conway left his wife to live with his male lover in the 80s. Hell yeah. As you do in the 80s. Yes. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. This naturally tanked the business. And uh, (laughs) I believe later in the same decade, his lover died of AIDS and and Alan Conway spiraled into alcoholism. Yes. Yes. Well, now I'm rooting for him. Now well, I'm rooting for him. Okay, well, get it, Conway, in a big way. We're gonna get we're gonna get a little uh, more morally gray in a second. So hold off on that. Okay, <laughs> a moiter. Uh, his his ex wife also died around this time, and so their son came to live with Alan. The son, again, his name is Martin, recalls that as a terrible time in his life because he uh, describes his father as quite abusive. Um, oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> He, uh, a, a quote from Martin, he physically abused me and set his friends on me. Once, one of them chased me in front of a car and I broke my kneecap. He terrorized Jesus. me. Jesus. Eventually, oh. eventually. And was it a really, wait, it, it was, it must have been a really small car, right? <laughs> just got, just got the kneecap, nothing else. Just got the- <laughs> Like in Britain, they have those really small just cars. tap you right on the knee. How <laughs> just shatters. The, eventually, the social services became involved, and at age 16, Martin was placed in a children's home. Oh, mm. gosh. Okay. Oh, you really turned, you really turned us the away from really this. The word really turned there. Yeah. Like, oh, my, my podcast isn't great for giving people, like, people to root for. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, this, this happened in 1992, so Conway's act as Kubrick was already in full swing by then. Martin recalls people calling up Conway and hearing his dad put on a terrible American accent while the other people called him Stanley. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) One of my favorite things in the world are when British people try to do American accents. And don't do a very good job. Well, it's just like an alien, because we can hear with our North American accent, we can hear those little inflectuations. So it's like an android or an alien is trying to, like, 
get into our way of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's very odd. It makes you feel uneasy. It's what's really True. weird is when they do it like perfectly. Like there there are all these British actors who can just pull it off like it was nothing and then you go like that guy was English the whole time. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a scam. That is a scam. Get out of here. <laughs> like Hand the, in your cowboy hat and the, leave. The, the, the kid who plays Spider-Man. Tom Holland. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He sounds like he's from New York. I was going to say Andrew Garfield, but... <laughs> I guess actors are professional and shit. Well, I yeah, mean, there's also, like... like, just even sticking to the MCU, there's also Benedict Cumberbatch and Doctor Strange. Oh, don't oh, even Lord. get me started about that guy. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny, because we put on American accents when we do uh, our podcast, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Because uh, most of our audience is from the States. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we... Because we had a note in our earlier episodes that our Canadian accents were just too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> too thick. Oh, yeah. So this is... Uh, so we were had a lot of complaints, eh? And yeah. Then, uh, so we, uh, we went down to the Tim Hortons. We got a coffee. We thought, hey, what are we going to do about this? We got we to gotta watch some hockey, and then uh, maybe we should practice that American accent. Yeah, we got to keep our vowels short. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's our story. All right. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good, like, underdog story, triumphing over, like, adversity. <laughs> to find podcast success. The best kind of success. Get me- <laughs> Alright, I guess we should talk about the story again. I, so. <laughs> I wanna find- know I wanna know what happens. Yeah. Uh Martin also recalls that uh Alan Conway would have trouble switching back to reality, even occasionally pretending he was Kubrick to his own son. What? (laughs) But it's that still doesn't solve how it all started. Like what gave him the idea to start pretending he was film director Stanley Kubrick? They 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 look alike. Like do they vaguely look alike? Well, I'll tell you the the first time he did it after we break for an ad for another show on the Major Cast Network. Maybe our show. Do you guys have an ad? Do you find yourself unable to watch television? Who has the time? Well, luckily, we do. I'm Liam Sr. I'm Josh Phillips. We host a podcast where we watch old canceled TV for For you. you. Musty TV, every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me anymore. So before we went on the break, I said I would tell you about uh, the first time he became Stanley Kubrick. Tell us about that first time, Eric. Well, Spin us a yarn. The problem is Conway obviously told a bunch of different stories about how he did it. So we don't know for <laughs> sure exactly when, like oh, the first no. time he ever tried it. Because sometimes he would say like, oh, I was just drunk and bored in a bar and just decided to call myself Stanley Kubrick for a while. Ooh. But I think Well sometimes I do that and mm-hmm. I say I'm I'm Tina Fey. <laughs> People believed me too when I had the hair. Yeah. The Tina Fey hair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know I'm so funny. <laughs> I'm I do not I can't see it, Courtney, but I'm sure it's true. <laughs> you can't see I'm so funny. I get it. <laughs> I can't see how funny you are personally. But I'm sure you I can't. are. I'm dying over here. <laughs> I bet it's just my bad taste. That's all. 
but I think I think the best story is that he that he told. He did this in a in a video interview once. He said he went to see a revival of the Rose Tattoo by Tennessee Williams in London. He was going to see a the, a theater show, and it was sold out. So oh, he no. he went up to the ticket booth and said, "Look, I don't want to throw my name around, but I'm Stanley oh. Kubrick, and I'd very much like to see the show tonight. Have you got a single seat?" Oh my gosh, that's a ace move they said yes of course they had a seat for him and would he like to meet the actors afterwards <gasps> he said yes <laughs> i love this i love yeah, this throw that hat baby i love this he said yes he saw the show he met the lead actresses who both said they'd love to work for him someday conway said he'd think about it he, he didn't he didn't commit to anything he just went i'll think about it and his own words <laughs> walked off into the gray night and he realized that he really liked this feeling no kidding the the kubrick power yeah he really enjoyed this (laughs) and he quickly realized after this that he could use his fake celebrity to get all kinds of things Mm. yeah over over like just in the next couple months Money, drinks, accommodations, sexual favors were all given to him by people trying to get on Stanley's good side. Oh, no. no. He would seduce young men, tell people to pay for his lunch so his production company could reimburse them, go to pubs and start tabs in Kubrick's name and never pay anything, and those were just (laughs) the day-to-day scams. Wow. I'm learning. I'm learning and growing because this scam <laughs> is great. Because, I, I, and I was thinking about this. I can, I know what George Lucas looks like. I mm-hmm. know what James Cameron looks like. I don't know if the average Joe can close their eyes and picture Stanley Kubrick. That's actually yeah. a really good segue because the best part of all this, apparently yes. his impression of Kubrick was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Conway was clean-shaven, skinny, and dressed, in Anthony Freewin's words, like a used car salesman. Oh, my God. Kubrick was heavy-set and had had a beard for decades. (laughs) Stanley, you're looking great, hon. Yeah, Alan Conway had a full head of hair that was white. Kubrick had dark hair and was balding. Kubrick oh had a God. New York accent. Conway could do a vaguely American accent, but sometimes forgot to do even that. Conway. Wow. <laughs> it gets. Conway had barely watched any of Kubrick's films. He knew nothing about the guy. Well, no, to be fair, Stanley Kubrick does not watch his own films. <laughs> Or remember them. (laughs) Or remember them, yeah. Kubrick would later hear about this because Conway was like, I watched a bit of one and I didn't really like it. And Kubrick was like, well, my films aren't good enough for him, but I am? What is wrong with this guy? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Kubrick, take a seat. (laughs) But Kubrick was known to be a recluse. And hardly ever took photographs or allowed photographs to be taken of him, and he and he rarely ever went out in public. Oh, see, there you go. You got to pick someone who like no. Be- hey, by the way, I'm Banksy. <laughs> Just I want to put that out here right now. Now sure, is the, the time, time to announce it. It is. So <laughs> I would like free sandwiches, please, and I would like to ride those coattails. Yes. 
You are also, you're Banksy too. I'm actually all, we're co-Banksies. You heard it all here on the Big Time Whoopsies podcast. Please sponsor me, Squarespace. <laughs> uh, where was I? <laughs> okay, one of the, I think one of the best lines about this, one of the articles I read uh, while I was researching this says, Celebrity abhors a vacuum. So people, <laughs> I know, people were very ready to believe that they'd met this, like, mysterious, reclusive director. Hmm. Even though, like, it very clearly was not him. What, what, they um, wanted it to be Kubrick. Yeah. What, what would happen a lot of the time is Conway would be like, oh, I've lost some weight and I shaved my beard <laughs> at, like, the beginning of a conversation. <laughs> And I've become British. Yeah. Don't worry about it. And then I've people... changed everything about the way that I look and act. Yeah. <laughs> and he was pretty flamboyant, so people will be like, well, there was a lot of homoerotic subtext in that one movie of his. <laughs> He's a walking art history class. <laughs> so do you want to start do you want to start talking about the people who got who got tricked by this fake Stanley Kubrick? Please. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote directly from from an art from the article by Anthony Freewin, the guy who first started getting these calls and started researching this himself. There was Mark from North London who was in a rock group. He'd given up his day job as Stanley was going to get his group a contract with WEA Records and fly him out to the States. Oh, no. There was the actor Grange, good name, by the way, who had been promised a part in the next film. There was a Nigerian who was going to put on an all-black production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and Stanley was going to bankroll it. Stanley... Oh, God. (laughs) I mean, that's the... Okay, the rock band, come on. (laughs) Like, (laughs) really? But an all-black of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, that would be dope That would be extremely dope. Mm -hmm. And... And uh, the real Stanley Kubrick should fund that one. <laughs> he was too busy filming Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Ugh. Ugh. That's what he was doing at the time. Working oh, very no. hard oh, on Eyes Wide Shut. You know what? I, I forgot the timelines about what movies came out with that, and I forgot about that movie, and now you've reminded me, and I need to go take a shower. Here's Kubrick's <laughs> final film. Mm, it was, good. <laughs> it was the one that he thought was about like modern relationships. Sure. Uh huh. Well, he picked the most modern relationship of them all. Yeah. <laughs> Erotic mask play. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's stop talking about eyes wide shut. Let's do that. Thank yes. You. Thank you. I just can't. The I re- gotta shut my eyes and just. The real oh. Stanley Kubrick received a letter from a former rent boy in Amsterdam. Not only that, uh, Stanley Kubrick had had supposedly careened through the town, running up bar bills, borrowing money, and causing a gay bar to go bankrupt after he <gasps> told the after he told the owners to say no to a brewery's offer and accept his instead. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm okay with, like, pretending and, like, getting a couple beers out of it, but shutting down neighborhood bars? Like, what? Why? What Why? Is, what are you getting out what of is, it? Yeah, what is he, is it just getting the, like, the power trip? I think he That's was just, weird. I think he was just doing stuff. Like, he wasn't, there was no plan behind it. He was just, yeah. 
He was just having why fun not? telling I people he was not? powerful. Maybe he's thinking, like, if I cause enough ruckus, the real Stanley Kubrick will do a movie about me, and it'll be real meta. <laughs> uh, the, the, the writer of that letter also said he had lost everything after Conway promised to buy him a house if he returned to England to console him on the death of his son. Oh my god. Yeah, which, which, you know, obviously Stanley Kubrick had lied about. Also, he lied about being Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On top of this, a letter arrived from the Dutch film actress, Renee Soutendik, from Amsterdam again. So clearly Conway had taken a vacation there. Well, you could probably just tell the airlines, like, hey, I'm Stanley Kubrick. Remember me? Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey? Was that me? I'm not sure. Let's go. And they'll be like, sir, it's Ryanair. It costs $6 to fly to Amsterdam. I don't know what you think you're getting. (laughs) The real Kubrick was considering using her on his film project about the Holocaust, which he tried. He was was in pre-production for for a long time and then gave up. I don't know if you know this. Mm Mm-hmm. He saw yeah. he saw Schindler's List and basically gave up. He was like, "Can't top it." Can't <laughs> As do one it. does. Yep. Sorry, uh, Steven. <laughs> that's that's why he gave him AI, artificial intelligence, <laughs> <laughs> as revenge. <laughs> um, she the, this this actress in Amsterdam kept getting reports of Stanley being in town and she was surprised and a little insulted that he hadn't looked her up. And so they had to write back and explain what was going on. Oh, wow. Conway would eventually meet a singer called Joe Longthorn, which is just like, wow, what a stage name. That's really good. It's about his dick, right? It's gotta be! (laughs) There's nothing else it could be about! (laughs) He was he was like he was like a singer who drew comparisons to like Liberace with like a bit of Elvis. That was how he was described oh, yeah. one time. Dang, dang, dang. Yeah, Longthorn was eager to cross the ocean and headline in Vegas. Conway liked Joe and he liked his money even more, so he said he'd help him. They became friends as Kubrick sponged off Longthorn's hospitality for weeks. Uh-oh. Until... Now, if if you're Longthorn and you're like, hey, famous uh, director Stanley Kubrick is sleeping on my couch oh, and oh, it wasn't everything even just out that. of my fridge. Courtney, it wasn't even just that. He put <gasps> he put Kubrick up in like a really nice hotel on his own money <gasps> while Kubrick like oh, wow. scouted for locations. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Bunch of money was spent on false Kubrick. Um... Long- False Cooper. <laughs> um, until uh, Longthorne's manager called Kubrick's actual studio about it, and according to Anthony Freewin, they threw Conway off a pier once they found out. <gasps> oh God! Oh, <laughs> that's delightful. This is good. I feel like this does need to be a movie adaptation. That like I don't we'll know, get to that. Who would do? Th- At one point, Conway even bamboozled shrewd reporters. There's a famous anecdote from August 1993. So this has been going on for over two years by this point. 
where wow. where New York Times theater critic Frank Rich was eating dinner with a Hollywood producer and two other reporters in a London restaurant. And a drunk man from another table came up to them and said, I don't like what your paper said about me. I'm not a recluse. They were like, um, uh, what's going on, guy? Who are you? And that's when he introduced himself as Stanley Kubrick. And the reporters all begged him to sit down and talk with them. Oh so he's just looking he's just looking to pick fights he's looking he? for trouble i told he's just doing stuff man he's, he's just, just doing stuff he's just out there doing he's it. a dog chasing cars he's just oh. doing well, whatever because they'll get your they'll get your kneecap yeah. <laughs> very small cars. watch out for those very tiny dogs right uh they had a conversation where the reporters kept asking for an exclusive interview because obviously that's what you do. And Kubrick kept going like, well, maybe. And they would kind of bring up t- times where, you know, they, they we were very positive about your film Barry Lyndon and Kubrick would kind of lean back as if cherishing this memory. But then he'd go back, but I'm not a recluse at them wow. and they were complete and they were completely completely taken in by this kind of grand hollywood queen act that he was doing oh no they eventually kubrick's friends kind of pulled him away and he never made any commitments with any of the reporters he was very very shrewd about not actually like committing to anything with them uh and but they did notice that one of his friends was tory mp sir fergus montgomery like a politician in london <laughs> Oh, oh, oh my no. god! <laughs> uh, uh, sir, I love you. If uh, we can make it just January fourteenth as Kubrick Day, can you just make that happen? We just watch all my movies, like uh, you know that space movie, and then you give me a lot of money, and then everyone gives me a lot of money, and then we all eat spam, preferably in cash. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> they uh so so they leave with this with this politician and they all kind of go like we just met stanley kubrick they were surprised that kubrick with his like was was very obviously gay and hung out with very obviously gay people because they knew he was married uh but then they started talking about all the homo the homoerotic subtext in his films <laughs> Oh my, oh my god that homoerotic subtext will get you every that time you up every <laughs> single time you. Oh my god. And I like I have I have watched uh video interviews with Conway and like I I I think calling him flamboyant might be a little bit of a stretch, but like you can kind of tell that he's Well, it, it's it's also I understand. Like that stuff is shitty and hurtful to say mm-hmm. in 2018. Yeah. I guess in the 90s people were like It's oh, it's hey. constant. It's constant. It's like the That's so gross. Very obviously gay. Like <laughs> that, that is kind the of grossest stuff. part of this whole story. <laughs> that is the grossest part of this whole story, really. How we just get, how we come back to is like, oh, but I know he was gay, though. <laughs> I think also in this specific instance, his conduct with his, like, three male friends might have also tipped them off. That's fair. That is also fair. <laughs> just um, when you're just making out at a table. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. It, I don't know. I watched a video interview, and it's like, you know, he he seems like someone who's been involved with the theater, that kind of thing. He's got that kind of... 
that I don't know that actors. Gra- I guess if anyone if anyone is impersonating a, a a director, you're gonna be a little grandiose. Yeah, and he yeah. kind of comes off as like this, you know, old Hollywood kind of regal figure, like that kind of very theatrical, dramatic way of talking. And so obviously that's what Stanley Kubrick sounds like, even though Stanley Kubrick had like this New York accent and like did not sound like this at all. This was before the YouTube, so. Because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Stanley Kubrick has that YouTube channel. I love his YouTube channel. Yeah. He's just like, it's a lot of ASMR. He's like, but you know, you what's up, like guys? It's, it's Stanley Kubrick. Got another Let's Play for you this time. <laughs> I'm going to speed run Ocarina of Time. <laughs> We're playing Detroit today. Let me tell you about robots. Did I tell you about AI? Let's talk about AI. <laughs> However, so they they come away from this 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 dinner or or lunch or whatever it was, thinking they've met Stanley Kubrick. But then they kind of go like, "That was kind of weird," and he didn't really act like I would expect Stanley Kubrick to act. So they start like a large New Yorker man. They start calling you know Warner Bros. Warner Bros. Other representation, and eventually they get in contact with Anthony Freewin, who informed them what was going on. Mm. And Frank Rich wrote an article about the experience. Uh, it's called Stanley Kubrick, I presume, uh, where he, <laughs> and he and he also talks about how, like, afterwards, he you know he he the uh, he he f- figured out what was really happening, and that's when the floodgates were open. Reporters swarmed Conway, found his home address, and the jig was really up by that point. Um, oh, he got docked. Yeah. Kubrick and and his estate never sued Conway or brought up criminal charges on him, mostly because they couldn't find anyone who wanted to go on the record about it because no one wanted to, like, talk about that time they got misled by fake Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> um, however, Conway did at one point in his misadventures sign a lease with Stanley Kubrick's name. Ooh, and yes. that's a criminal offense. Oh, dang. But Conway had a trick up his sleeve for this. Of course. He checked himself into a mental hospital. Oh, just wait. Immediately what? after the charges were brought up. And, oh. you know, this is a guy who thinks he's Stanley Kubrick. Clearly there's something wrong with him, went the logic. Well, uh, oh, there's a lot of things I think he had in his life oh, that yeah. kind of signifies maybe this is a good, this is a good spot for him to work out his, his issues. But it's also, like, definitely like a, a calculated, like, ah, the heat's coming. Better go to the, <laughs> the, better go to the old psych ward to drop that. Because the oh, charges no. were then dropped once that happened. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. So Conway never served jail time for this. Hmm. He had served jail time previously in his life. This wouldn't have been a new thing <laughs> yeah, for him. Yeah, he's for done. His many other he's crimes. Done. He's done. Yeah. Uh, Conway would eventually become a member of Alcoholics Anonymous in 1995. His son checked his AA diary once because they were supposed to tell their whole life story and found that it was just full of lies. Uh, invented a story about being a successful businessman with this crazy life in the Caribbean, that kind of stuff. Yes, um, who hasn't? Reading what... Um, I, I read a lot of this from Anthony 
Freewin's account, who was who's like very quick to say like, but Kubrick was never homophobic and like and cover himself that, but also is pretty derisive about a lot of the gay aspects of the story and also mm. all the other aspects of the story. He's, yes. he's yeah. They're the Kubrick family and their friends clearly did not like this guy. Like they are they they were pretty really? unhappy that he kind of got off scot free after all this. That's fair. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but Anthony Freewin started researching this more and he went on to make Color Me Kubrick in 2006, which is a film that oh. stars John Malkovich as Alan Conway. Oh, oh, shit. I, I gotta check that out. I do remember this. I don't. I don't think I watched it. But you've heard of it. But I have heard of I've it. I've watched parts oh. of it. I didn't watch the whole thing. It's basically like a like a kind of loosely connected series of comedy sketches about, you know, stuff that was that based on the real stuff that happened. Okay. Um, and there's a, yes. there's a lot of really, like, heavy-handed references to, like, Kubrick's films, like... When he gets thrown off the pier, they do the sh- the sequence from A Clockwork Orange where he where they get like hit into the reservoir. So it's just like it's just a Stanley Kubrick like orgy and yeah, it's basically of him. yeah, it's, it feels a bit like Freewin kind of going like Stanley Kubrick is great and I knew him and this guy didn't. Um, okay, okay, and I and I didn't pick up on a lot of it. Uh, when I watched the parts that I did, but I bet there's some some not great stuff in there too. Probably. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Probably. It's probably super homophobic it, because yeah, a was... lot of people in the story seem to be mm-hmm. so. <laughs> Alan Conway would live out his life in uh, mental institutions or in retirement homes. He kind of, like the rest of his life, kind of bounced around from place to place, even at this point. Um, and he slipped any really serious consequences from any of this. He, uh, he died of a heart attack on December 5th, 1998. Stanley Kubrick oh. died on March 7th, 1999, just three months later, also of a heart attack. Hey, can I just tell everyone that I had no idea Stanley Kubrick is dead? Same! <laughs> <laughs> Whoopsie! Could have fooled me. <laughs> Whoopsies! Stanley now, Kubrick see, actually. He, to, uh, Stanley Kubrick actually died like six days after he showed the final cut of his last movie. Oh wow! So you, when you said Eyes Wide Shut was his last movie, I just figured because he was bad at movies and he didn't <laughs> want to make them anymore, <laughs> not because he was in the grave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Whoopsies. <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. Just like, oh, I really beefed it on that one. I guess I'll stop. <laughs> Man, I really, yeah, I mean, I guess, no, not even Francis Ford Coppola did that. Francis Ford Coppola made nope. some bad movies, and he mostly has disappeared, but he's still alive and still kind of uh, making movies. Yeah, that's my, that's my boy. <laughs> is it your boy? Yeah. Really? It's my favorite film is Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I forget that directors make more than one movie. <laughs> the one that you don't like. The one that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to say, because, like, Stanley Kubrick didn't stop because he was bad at movies because... I want to say he's generally he, he, considered one of like the top ten directors of all time. I guess. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm just like just going off probably... of like general critic stuff. Now, now the fun the fun thing I did throughout this whole episode, and I know we're not finished yet, but um, 
I, in my head, has just frantically gone through what movies I know to actually be Stanley Cooper. <laughs> uh-huh. And I can't name a lot of them. <laughs> Did the one with the with the guy, you know, in the hat? Well, or the hat? Eric, the... when you mentioned A Clockwork Orange yeah. and the allusion to that, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Clockwork Orange. That's a coob. That's a coob. Yeah. Coob? That's a coob for sure. <laughs> All I know is about the moon landing, so. <laughs> I guess I should have introduced him a little more at the beginning. No, 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 no. no, no. We just should have. We should have. Yeah. I like that surprise twist where he's di- He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that got me. I did also like always up. refer to him in the past tense through the whole episode. No, I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there, were, hey Eric, there was two of them this story, so like I. <laughs> With this ensemble cast of characters, who can keep up? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he did A Clockwork Orange, The Shining, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I knew 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 the space one. I knew that one. The space one. I knew the space one with the monkeys and the opalisk. He did Doctor Strangelove. And Eyes Wide Shut. Um, oh yeah, oh, that guy's love. The the essence. Strange okay. love. Oh, you know what? I maybe he is a good director. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he is better than I thought, and I'm mixing him up well, with okay. someone else. I mean, he did do Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, but then he did do Eyes Wide Shut though, and I'm like, well, this hack. I th- oh, he also did Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Paz oh and yeah, Glory. yeah, Full Metal Jacket. That's I'm familiar with that one. I yeah I I think he's very good at kind of getting into the psychology of really fucked up bad white dudes, and I think if you yeah, ask him to do he, anything else in the world, dude? he's not very good at it. Then, <laughs> no, know your subject. Yeah, because yeah. write what you know. Because I mean, I think that's part of why Eyes Wide Shut is not great, is because the man does not know. How to do anything but the one thing. Yeah. And the one thing he does not know is Tom Cruise. <laughs> I was going to go do like female us, characters, no. but you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nicole Kidman was in that, too. I forget. Yep. She sure was. Oh, boy. He made him do a scene like 167 times. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, the worst. Yeah, and then and there's also The Shining where he was so like abusive to Shelley Duvall that he yeah. that her hair started falling oh, out. Oh yeah, that's that's right. He oh, yeah, was he really does shitty. Suck. He yeah. does suck. He was like I this he was this that. incredibly obsessive director and Ugh. basically if you ever went against that he would he would make your life a bad time. Ugh. 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 Yeah. Well rip. Rip. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad yeah. he's dead. <laughs> R.I.P. Stanley Kubrick. R.I.P. Alan Conway. Rest in piss. Yeah. <laughs> you both did some fun stuff. You were both pretty abusive. <laughs> this has been a classic big time whoopsie story. That's a good... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're dead fuckers. Big time whoopsies. <laughs>
All right, we should get to the the last the ending story. So at the yes. for every for every podcast episode, I do this big story about incompetence on a on a grand scale, like say everyone believing that this random British dude was Stanley Kubrick. Yes. Uh, but at the end, I end with a short story about competence in an absurd way, or in a, more like Excellent. in an extremely specific way. Excellent. Excellent. Good. Make us feel better. <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, okay. So we are recording this during Pride Month. This is not going to publish in Pride Month, but hey. <laughs> Um, so we're going to talk about what is arguable. Wait, hold on. We chose to do a story full of homophobia during Pride Month. No, no, it's not going to publish okay. during Pride Month. Oh, yeah. thank God. Don't worry. So I, I need, and I needed to do something like at least more positive about that. Than, yes, please. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about what is arguably the first gay icon. Ooh. Ooh, Jesus. <laughs> this is, I should say like. I say the first gay icon, but, like, gay people have existed forever, and there are all kinds of, like, homoerotic literature all over the world, so it's not really the first gay icon. It's just the first gay icon that, like, uh, art historians noticed in Western civilization. Okay, okay, okay. So, I, like, it's... He says he's like it says on like Wikipedia that it's arguably the first gay icon, but like eh, kind of, not really. <laughs> anyway, okay, sock it to us. Let's see if we know our gay history. Do y'all know about Saint Sebastian? I think I've heard of Saint Sebastian vaguely. Oh, do you know the story? Maybe. No, I don't know the story, but I know there's a very horny Bible verse that is related to him in oh, some way. Oh, yeah. Allison loves their horny Bible verses. <laughs> I do. They collect them. Well, yeah, we're... we're like bugs. We're going to get into this. Okay, um, good, good, good. So the, the story of St. Sebastian is that uh, a Roman emperor found out about Sebastian's Christian faith in 286, the year 286, and ordered him to be shot with arrows as as his execution. And he was, but he miraculously survived. He just pulled them out and just was like, fuck you. And, and by some accounts, he didn't feel pain when the arrows entered him. Uh, he felt pleasure. Ooh. 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 Oh, 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 okay, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you kind of see where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the oh. the arrows represent phalluses. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe dick. just a little they were, bit. They was dig. Maybe the long thin things penetrating him are representing mm. something phallic. <laughs> <laughs> so he he miraculously survives this and he goes back to confront the emperor who is shocked that this that this man survived. But then he just has him beaten to death and thrown in a sewer. Uh, oh, well, that's, that's rude. That's not great. And he doesn't survive that one. But like, hey, I guess he got one miracle. Here's your saint for today. Now, if you're Saint Sebastian, if you're Sebastian, you you did all the arrow thing. You should have just given up, Sebast. Like you should have just left, <laughs> gone somewhere else. You don't need to rub it in that guy's face that you're still alive. Just fuck clean off to Ibiza, have a great time. Yeah, I love this idea of like, well, I'm here and I'm still Christian. It's like, hey, go get like a rock or something and take care of that guy. Yep. 
Not, I don't, I just, I don't think it's the best story. And there are tons of saints like this. So why is Saint Sebastian so popular, you ask? Well, I'll tell you, Courtney. And Allison. You may remember a little thing called the Black Death, which killed people in the mid-14th century. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love their new album. (laughs) Saint Sebastian was invoked against plague, having something to do with it since he died in a sewer, I guess? Oh, maybe. Kind of. Like, rats found, maybe rats found his body and then worshipped him. (laughs) And they're the plague rats. I, no, it's invoked against they... plague, <laughs> Courtney. Oh, oh, He's oh, He's not oh. like they the hated, god of plague. They hated his body. Um, <laughs> That'd been cool. His body was like a mothball for rats. God. Uh, the, end, the Independent has an article about this. Um, and it states that plague saints were expected to look vibrant and healthy uh, in their depictions. So around this time, despite the fact that like Sebastian was supposed to be this like middle-aged soldier when he was killed, we start to see a lot of hot young Sebastians proliferating <gasps> in art. Oh, yes. <laughs> Give it to me. Okay, a- okay. I see where we're going with because this. Because he's supposed to be invoked against plague. He's supposed to be really healthy and young. And, and because he was shot full of arrows and that's like his defining characteristic, there are a lot of depictions of him shirtless with arrows in him. Uh, <gasps> oh, just his like foin pecs, just like <laughs> glistening. And he's like hairless. Oh, nice. We're not getting, you know, like bodybuilder type stuff. This is still like beauty standards were no, very no, different. No, no, no. I believe St. Sebastian was a twink. He was a twink. <laughs> yeah, that's more, that's more the depiction. That... Or an otter? Was he an otter? <laughs> mm. Mm. Not the we'll expert here, We'll have to do guys. some research. <laughs> we'll have to do some research. Well, you are talking to the experts, so we will we will look up some art. Thank you very much. You're welcome to look up some art from of St. Sebastian while I tell this story. That is fine. Oh, I, I am Googling it currently. Steph, so all go right, ahead. you're ahead of me. All right. And so then a few centuries later, after the 14th century, uh, we start to see a shift in his depictions beginning in the Baroque and Renaissance. Sebastian becomes a very popular painting subject for artists that are theorized to be closeted gay. And the independent theorizes that his appeal lied not just in the fact that he was always depicted shirtless and hot and penetrated, but also in how there are all these like different interpre- interpretations that you can give to him. Like he has, okay. he has grace and beauty despite yeah. suffering, that kind of deal. So we did bring up um, a picture oh, and God. it was painted in uh, 1521. Uh-huh. Now, Allison, do you want to describe what we're seeing? I love this sweet diaper he's got on. <laughs> He's got a thong that's like made out of cloth, cloth, and yeah. it's just hugging him in all the right places. And he's just yeah, like that's... his arms are up. <laughs> that's that's the, the 16th century in Western art, baby. Got those Dang. abs. Dang, it's just like falling. This one, the diaper is falling right off. That of him. diaper is coming right down. It's like it's not the V, the deep V. You got that deep V. You can see where <laughs> everything starts, but not where it ends. No, we can see the treasure trail for sure. And he don't care. It looks like he don't care. He don't care even a little bit. No. His pasty white thighs are delicious, though. Mm, <laughs> take a bite out of those. 
Well, uh, I'm sorry, Eric. We're just going to be watching. Looking. <laughs> We're going to be a little busy for the next 10, 15 minutes. You're, you're, your two gays that you picked to put on your podcast are just going to be thirsting over St. Sebastian. Congratulations. Happy Pride Month, guys. Yay. <laughs> Where the hell was I? Um, <laughs> so aside from... Aside from the whole penetrating thing, the whole being healthy and young and hot deal, the fact that he was, you know, he was beautiful and graceful, even while, you know, horribly suffering and like dying, that appealed to these artists. Plus, there's the fact that he might have like that, like part of some of the stories say he felt pleasure from getting penetrated. But, you know, hey, Hmm. who hasn't? Some people. Uh, well, <laughs> Courtney has just brought up a modern interpretation of yeah. St. Sebastian with his whole ass dong out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Allison, this dong that he. Oh, come on. Safe mode? No. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll fix this. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think Muhammad Ali uh, was once photographed as St. Sebastian. Am I right in that? With his dong out? No. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But, like, I mean, stuck full of arrows. Like, the it's a, it's a very. Yeah. Very popular visual motif that people do. Okay, okay. With hot I mean, young men. Yes. I see why. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I understand. I get, I get it. it. Since then, Sebastian's status as a gay icon has only strengthened. Artists from painters like Caravaggio, Guido Reni, and Botticelli to directors like Derek Jarman to playwrights like Tennessee Williams and Oscar Wilde have all paid homage to uh, Sebastian in some way or other. In- to hot Sebastian, gay, beautiful man. <laughs> As he's known. As he's known. Tennessee Williams named a character after him in one of his plays. Oscar Wilde, I think, used Sebastian as a pseudonym while he was a fugitive. Oh. Some, I think in the Renaissance, like, wealthy patrons would occasionally commission, like, even more sexualized portraits of Sebastian. Like Hell we're looking yeah. at currently. Whole dong out. With the whole dong out. And the dong is resting on a bush. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound comfortable no- at all. <laughs> And there is no arrows, so I just, I don't know what's going on here. (laughs) What if he's just, like, Uh, a hot guy? What if that's his Christian origin story? Hot boy. (laughs) (laughs) He is not circumcised, and I guess... No, we will say that. Oh, and he does have boots on, though. Yeah, like hiking boots. (laughs) It does look like he's taking a shit on that bush. Do you have show notes where we can put this gay erotica? <laughs> maybe I'll just maybe I'll link to nothing but the dong pictures in the description for okay. it. Ideal, yes, please. <laughs> I had one source and one source only for the whole episode. <laughs> That's pretty much the end of this story. To this day, Sebastian oh, imagery cool, appears cool. in mainstream media sometimes as a gay reference. Sometimes he's just like. You know, a hot guy who's getting martyred and, like, there's, like, supposed to not be any gay subtext at all. And everyone else is like, okay, no, sure, there's, I guess. There's always gay subtext. Don't worry about <laughs> like, it. Now, I will say that I have found a rap that someone has written for St. Sebastian, so I oh will send God. that to you as well. <laughs> Good Lord. Is it gay, though? Mm, it's, a little, it's pretty gay. It's pretty gay. Okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> 
Oh, well, you know what? Thank you for that ending cleanser, because I was kind of bummed about yeah, the first one. I feel a lot one. better now. Now I feel a lot better, because we just looked at a bunch of dongs Yeah, sorry, I should have paid, paid more attention to all these, like, 90s writers being like, "Who? this guy is obviously flamboyantly gay, and I, a straight <laughs> man who has seen a play once, know this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a bum, just a real bummer. A bum, bumsville, but whatever. Yeah, sorry but about now... that. I should have I I been more attentive to that. Now, but now, St. Sebastian got our backs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I chose this then. I'm also very happy that you hadn't heard of it because, okay, so I, I've, this is the second time I've done this as my, as my pickle for the knowing ones, which is what I call the yeah. ending story. Um, and I did it the first time and I lost all the audio from that episode. Oh, no. Oh. And I've been waiting to redo this story for a while. Well, we're just, we just this this whole Google search is just like homoerotic, beautiful men, and we're just gonna. <laughs> this is a gift that you gave us. This is a gift that you've given us, and we're. This is. I mean, now we have to watch two uh, hours of the X Files, which is awful. Oh, so, God. so thank you. So thank you. Yeah, I man, I I never made it out of the first season of the X Files, and I was watching that in like high school. Oh, yeah, it's a bad show. It's a very, very bad show. Mm. <laughs> so I've heard. <laughs> From us. Oh, there's another one with his dong out. Hell yeah. yeah. Wait, yeah. Do, yeah. do you guys have a... Before we, before we stop recording and I tell you to do plugs, yeah. do you have a favorite, uh, like, classical art portrait of Sebastian? Not the, not the like, new hot dong oh. versions of Sebastian. Well, I mean... <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Like, let's I just, see. I want to know which. I do like that one. I want to know no, like, the which one Renaissance artist had the best Sebastian. Okay, let me look. Um, they, corny, they've all got a diaper. No, but the one that's like the diaper is like falling off of him. That is, you're right. And that like hiked one. right up into his crack. This, this oh, one. That one? That one. That one is El Greco. <laughs> I thought you liked that one. This one is very good because mm-hmm. it is wrapped up. Um,. It says, St. Sebastian receiving the crown of uh, and psalm of martyrdom, 1521, school of, what's that word? Girolamo. 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 I can send it to you in the, uh, I can send you our favorite ones in the Google chat. Do it. Because they are very good. Do it. Yes. Mmm, yes. (laughs) You're just going to get a bunch of homoerotic art from us in the next (laughs) As most people do. Every, every time, like every minute we spend... I find new and beautiful pictures of St. Sebastian. I don't, have you sent me any? <laughs> no. Oh, no, I haven't. I have been looking on my computer. I will send you. Oh, don't worry. I'll send you. Yeah. While you curate your list, uh, do you guys have anything you want to plug before we go? Yeah. Just, I mean, I think pretty much just, uh, well, I won't say just. Yeah. I want to plug our podcast, which is also on Major Cast Network, the Double X Files podcast. You can find us on the Major Cast website. And on iTunes. Hey, give it a listen. We don't like the X-Files, but you might like us. Um, also, I wrote a book. That's me, A.E. Ross. I wrote a book. And Eric is going to maybe read it someday. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It's called Run in the Blood, and you can get it from Nine Star Press and Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It's just everywhere. It's got a cool pirate lady. It sure does. It's It's got some lesbians. The kiss and stuff and more wink and wink. um and dr- some dragons. I think you're gonna like it. Yeah, co-signed. <laughs> yeah. 
And those are our plugs. Great. Yes. Let me let me do mine real quick. Uh, oh, also, where can they find you on Twitter? Oh, I'm uh, I'm at A-E-E-E-Ross. <laughs> That's a lot of E's. It's three of them. Okay. Three E's. A-E-E-E-Ross. And then you can also find us at Double X Files on Twitter. That's double spelt out. D-O-U-B-L-E. Great. And I don't have a Twitter. No. Personally. Which is fine, because then I can post things about you. What? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my name is Eric McAdams. Thank you for listening to Big Time Whoopsies. Thank you for being on my podcast, Courtney and Allison. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Audaciously Yours. You can find my personal website, NoCharacterIsSafe.com, my other shows on the Major Cast Network, and hopefully we're going to get a new one of those pretty soon with me, Tom, and Liam all at the same time. Whoa. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, and I, I guess you can look up the articles that I write on ScreenRant.com, if you really, like, are a masochist. Uh, and that's all I got. <laughs> cool. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. All right, say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Thank you, audience. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.